Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Yeah, just test it one more time, actually. Just yep. say something. Say something. Say, say what? <laughs> say, say the English rugby team is a piece of shit. Oh, absolutely. Like a piece of shit. And the football team, actually. <laughs> the football team's worse. The football team chokes every time. They didn't even get third. They got fourth. <laughs> <laughs> after, after bring it home. Bring it home. I know, yeah. <laughs> Football's coming home. I'm going to have to add that. I'm going to have to leave that on me. <laughs> so we were saying about how uh, unfortunate the English were. They're not unfortunate. They deserve every second of it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they, they, you can't, their fans can't carry on like that and then expect everyone to feel sorry for them when they lose. Yeah. It's like you hear nothing from Belgium, you hear nothing from, the Czech, from um, Croatia about, you know, and everything's positive and it's like, we're great to be here, all this sort of stuff, not we're going to win. It's like, yeah. you can't just go, we're going to win because you made a, a semi final. I know. Even when they got past the group stages, though, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah. they won one game, four balls. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the optimism, but I like the fact they support their side because we are the opposite. Australians are horrible at supporting our team. We, we, we are the first ones to keep them all down. Oh, we won this. It's like, yeah, we didn't play anyone. Who cares? It's like, there's somewhere in the middle that's like you can be supportive without being yeah. you know, ridiculous. It's funny isn't it because me being Welsh, you being Australian, and then if you're Irish or you're Scottish, yeah. for some reason it's just that it's just that swarm rivalry. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're English and you're listening to this, I'm but it's just, how, it's just how it is. Tim's not sorry. <laughs> you were telling me, you were telling me though they're, they're rubbish winners, right? They're bad winners. It's like <laughs> all you hear about, like it's when they when they win the Ashes, they like win a game in cricket. All they, all you hear about is for the next four years, it's like oh we won the Ashes, we won the Ashes. It's like you won it once out of the last, you know, four series or something, and all of a sudden it's just like, in, 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 in. It's like, just say, yeah, we won, it's great. I don't have to bring it up every three seconds. I say, I'm not going to lie, man. Like I said to you, I, I am, like, quite satisfied. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they got past the group stage, you know, but, like, when they got to the semis, I started to worry about things. So I was thinking, you know how many English there yeah. are here in Kudja Lone, yeah. and it's like, you were not here the end of no. I actually like I like the Southgate thing. I like the the fact that he is a bit of an English football villain, mm. and then they embrace him, and then he loses, and they boot him again. It's like, oh, hang on a second. I don't yeah. like the guy. He seems like a good guy. He seems yeah. like he doesn't give a shit like everyone else. Yeah, so like, the young side look good, and they look like they're, they're a little bit more humble. They're a little bit more hungry. Yeah. And but it's the fans. It's, yeah, just, it's not the players. It's I know it's not the players. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I could, I could go on for the whole episode, just, yeah, just laying into England. Let's do that instead. <laughs> yeah, if you could uh, give us a bit more of your background uh, in terms of who you are. Tim's a physio, yeah. by the way, in the, the gym I work in here at Titan Fitness. Um, and he's at the top of his game. So yeah, if you could just... Yeah, uh, physiotherapist, have worked as a physio for about 14 years now. Um, I played professional rugby for a bit. I played down at, um, in Canberra for the Brumbies. And I played a couple of... Australian Sevens team, so I'm a, a bit of a rugby head, and I love, I love my rugby. Um, and that was a good exposure to it. To a lot of really good doctors and a really, really good um, physios, and sort of getting that strength and conditioning side of things a little bit more. Physios, you come out of um, out of university, and you don't get taught pretty much anything about S and C. So I found that all my learning about S and C came through the really good S and C guys um, at at the Brumbies and the Aussie Sevens. Um, there's a few guys who are, who are right at the top of the game so it was really really good to get that side of things then build that into the rehab side of things awesome. um, got hurt a couple of times really badly and that sort of slowed the, the career down a little bit so I've had a, had a big uh, big compound fracture of my tibia which is like bone out of skin foot facing wrong way ouch uh, a couple of dislocations just got a shoulder just got a knee so I've got someone else's Achilles is my now ACL lovely uh, tore my pec off the bone last year trying to play 
freaking first game back, we get 35, which isn't advisable. Really? Um, so yeah, so uh, you know, that's probably the the point of difference that I've got as a physio is the the S and C combined. So S and C strength conditioning, conditioning. So yeah, strength and conditioning combined with the um with the the injury history sort of gives you a bit more of a of a well-rounded view mm. rather than the, the thing that they sort of throw in your throat at university, which is a bit more benign, I suppose. Yeah, more hands-on kind of thing. I was going to say, if you could just delve a little bit deeper into strength and conditioning, because I didn't realise you had that background. Yeah. So, so that, like, actually applying, you know... Yeah, well, we didn't do... We'd, like, I feel there's a really big gap in the physio market. So yeah. the physio market gets, gets someone from a, a very, very basic rehab point of view and sort of goes, OK, well, we've got a glute dysfunction. How do we activate that glute? How do we get you moving better in that, just that small activation sense? And then we do go a little bit more whole body, OK, show me a squat, all that kind of stuff. But there is a massive gap between that and returning to sport, returning to powerlifting, returning to footy, returning to whatever. And so the the SNC stuff that we got just and I didn't do any SNC course or anything, but just sort of working with really good guys, you know, the the um, you know, just higher ends, how do you clean, how do you snatch, um, what's your lifting tech like from a how do you heavy dead how do you work on your heavy dead when it's not working well? How do you get better? All that kind of stuff you don't get from a physio point of view um, from the course. So you've got to go and source that elsewhere. So mm. I was lucky that I sort of fell into it a little bit. A lot of guys have to go and do their level one strength and conditioning courses as physios to try mm. and level two to try and get that side of things. Yeah, that's um, what I did that myself. Yeah, but you actually had it hands on kind of. Yeah, course. yeah. I just I just had it sort of. It just was around it, and so mm. I was doing it, which is always a good thing. I'm, I'm a Definitely. horrible explainer. I'm the worst explainer in the world. I'm going to struggle as soon as I'm too old to do all the shit I want people to do I'm a nightmare yeah. so it's like I'll just say do this and yeah. just do it and say that's not right watch me do it again yeah, yeah of course <laughs> whereas other, other physios are a bit more more wordy but I, I still do struggle to the uh, for the explanation side of things I'm lucky that I I have the ability to sort of do a lot of the things that, mm. that I need people to do yeah that's good so you're more practical but you have to put the work in right to be able to you have to keep on top of your any imbalances you have mobility oh, strength to yeah. demonstrate right yeah 100% and look, I, I, I've got many things that I'm constantly working on all the time. Sometimes I get lazy at one thing and it, it catches up with you and it gets a bit sore and then other times you're, you're right on top of it. But, you know, when you've had, like I've had four major reconstructions, so between shoulders and knees and feet and all that sort of stuff, um, if I don't stay on top of any one of those things, I am not able to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about, especially as you get older, the injuries compound. So every time you get hurt... It's not about the fact that you got hurt, it's the fact that that adds to the injury history, which means you've got to work harder to be able to do fun stuff. It's why people retire. Mm. You stop doing things because it gets too hard to stay on top of all the things that allow you to keep doing it. Mm. And so the more you stay on top of it early, the less it compounds yeah, a bit as well. So you don't have these 25 million things to do to keep you in the gym. You've only got three or four at any one time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a constant little juggling act I, I use the analogy all the time it's like you've got you know 12 balls juggling in the air occasionally yeah. you drop one you've got to keep the others juggling while you pick that one up yeah. and try and keep it juggling again so it's never it's never perfect you just got to keep trying to push through as best you can I see I can relate to that because I spent you know a lot of time playing rugby I had a few little knocks but nothing on your level mate in terms of injuries but just even lifting weights for like 16 years it got to a point about two years ago where I was like right okay I've created these, these imbalances now yeah. I've got to stop ignoring these signals like yeah. twinges here twinges there yeah. and then thankfully I got on top of doing mobility stuff and lengthening out my tight areas yeah. and stuff 
But it's so important, right? Because um, luckily now I've, I haven't injured myself, but I yeah. think I was on the verge of injuries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and if you can stay on top of it, you don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time, it's really hard to, to sort of put your ego aside. I yeah, try and get it. people to do that all the time. It's like, you're not that good at it, or you do have this imbalance, or you're not perfect at things. You know, you've got to look at yourself a little bit more critically in every aspect of life, but, but especially in sport and in the gym. It's like, you know, oh, you know, I'm doing this really well, I don't need to work on that. It's like bollocks, you need to work on everything. There's mm-hmm. always something to work on. If you think you're perfect at it, then you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Because you've done it, why are you doing it anymore? Mm-hmm. It's like, no one's ever perfect. You've got to try and, and, and learn what the problem is and work on the problem at any one time. Mm-hmm. And be self-critical. Don't think you're killing it. You're not killing it. Just yeah. keep, keep pushing harder. Always room for improvement. Yeah. Always room for improvement. You're never, you're never great at anything. That's it. I agree with that. So what are the most common um, ailments you get with people coming to you? Um, and how do you how do you get... Because my client, who obviously um, you, you um, do therapy with my client, yeah. and she said you're very good at addressing the root cause. Like you can look at someone. I mean, you've got great experience. You're an expert at what you do. So you can look at someone yeah. and you can straight away pick up on imbalances and whatnot. So how do you address the root cause? And what are the most common things you get with people Really? Um, the most common still, even though we're a sporty practice, mm-hmm. you still get your postural necks and backs more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So postural lower back is still the number one thing we see, um, which is generally because of our lifestyle. We live in this sedentary lifestyle where we do tend to be you know, sitting for periods of time. Everything's in front of us. We're bending over all day, every day. And so you sort of do have this imbalance of flexion versus extension. Um, and you just see you see that pattern over and over and over again. So once you see a pattern over and over again, you sort of look at it and you find those things really quickly and easily. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there are patterns to every sort of injury. And so when we're looking at, at say we're having a chat to someone, they'll, they'll say, you know, I get pain when I first wake up in the morning and then it gets pretty good and then at the end of the day it gets a bit fatigued again and this movement hurts and that movement hurts. And yeah. so putting together that history, I've already got a pretty good idea about what the cause of that problem is. Mm. Um, based on that history and then you, you've got to um, sort of mirror that up with what they do when they're moving and so then you do your, what we call a physical examination which is where you're, you're looking at people move you're looking at you know you may be poking around on some joints looking at flexibility and mobility and you've already got this sort of a pretty good idea so you're sort of targeted for that way and it's, well, it's confirming that what your diagnostic sort of impression is to begin with. So it's, it's most things follow these patterns, right? And so the more you do this as a job, the more you see those patterns and the easier it is to recognise them. And the other thing that I find is it's easy, the thing that, that I suppose experience gets you is it's easy to recognise when something's not that pattern. So if something's a little bit different to that, then you go, okay, well, hang on a second, what's going on here? And that allows you to pull back and sort of get the more complex ones and, and look at that one a little bit more thoroughly. It's just, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it's still, as you said, I'm never perfect. No one's ever perfect. But it's just about about looking at, at trying to put the puzzle together. Mm. And so you've got to listen to them. You've got to look at them. You've got to see them move. And that, that will put the puzzle together. I see. But still the thing is postural, postural backs, postural backs. Yep. You know, and it's, it's what I see every day. Yeah, that's why I see it. Well, the typical rounded shoulders, yeah, shoulders just, protruded neck, protruded head, I mean. It's just this. That's that. It's the keyboard life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they fix the they they, they fix workplace ergonomics. Sit the stand desks, you know, yeah, yeah. great screens, great keyboards. Take this laptop home and sit on the lounge and do that. Yeah, it's like, I know. That's, like, exactly, that's exactly it. And then then we're going to do we do what are they flexible desking or flexible workplaces yeah. where they like, they go and they use different desks every day. It's like, yeah. well, hang on, I just set that desk up. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, why do I have to move to this one? That's it. So it's good for business, to be honest. Yeah, it's great for business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not completed. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I'm just trying to relate to the listeners now. So yeah. a lot of people do get that, don't they? Lower back problems yeah. and stuff. 
Um, and without going too much into the buy experience, what would you, I know it's very hard because it's, it's not a one size fits yeah. all approach, right? And there's yeah. so many uh, variables, right, from person to person. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, someone listening now, they've got a tight lower back, you know, because that's very common. Yeah. Um, what would you say they can actually do, like, to help, you know, prevent anything? Yeah, it's uh, one is. Your best posture is the next posture. So no matter what what you're doing, the the more you get out of that, the better. So if you're somebody who stands all day at work, sit down for a bit. If you're somebody who sits all day at work, get up as much as possible. So moving around, mm. movement's the number one fix for all this sort of stuff. The second is <coughs> reverse your posture. So if you're here for ages, then you've got to do things that get you in the opposite direction. Yeah. So you know, for lower back, for example, the, the easiest thing to do is like a standing extension or a lying down like a cobra. So just just move your back in the opposite direction than it's sitting all day. Mm. And if you do that a few times and you do that multiple times throughout the day, then you're sort of, I suppose you're balancing out mm. what's happening within the, the your posture. And so if you pull like this, you've got to do the opposite. If your head's forward, go to the opposite. Yep. If your shoulder's forward, go to the opposite. And so it's just about recognising, okay, well, what is the posture that I'm in too much and trying to do the reverse of that. Mm. It's really hard to stay strong and stay in the posture all the time. It's almost impossible. It's, it's, the, it's the goal that people have. It's like, oh, you know, I want to improve my posture. And it's like being posturally aware is probably more important than being strong. Mm. And so if you're aware that you're sitting shit, then it means you can move. Mm. If you think that you're sitting well and you certainly don't worry about it, then you're going to hang in that position for too long and that's where you get your, your strains and your sprains, your overactivity muscles and your tightness and all the things that cause pain and dysfunction. Um, but the, if you're aware of, of not having great posture, that's a really good start. And you can do your strength, and you can move throughout the day. And yeah. so that's that's half the battle, I think, is that awareness. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, mate. Um, next question was about movements, fundamental movements like um, squats and deadlifts, yeah. uh, which I find a lot of people tend to neglect. Yeah. How important are being able to, I mean, look, looking later down the line now yeah. as we get older, obviously, and just generally in day-to-day life, you know, we need to be able to at least do a reasonably decent squat, yep. right? And like deadlift, like a hip hinge. Yep. So tilt from the hips and, you know, picking stuff up yep. on the floor. And you can relate all this to day to day life. So how important are these movements and um, how, how could you stress that to people? It's, it's the first thing we teach people, pretty much. And so once we've got you out of the degree of pain where you're really, really struggling, so say you're coming for an acute lower back, it's mm-hmm. like first thing you're going to do is get your pain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's your massage and heat, blah, 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 blah. Then we've got to teach you how to move because you've done this because you've done something in the first place, whether it be a postural thing or whether it be a, a lift technique thing or, or whatever. So the hip hinge especially, so being able to cut yourself in half and actually remember that you've got a hip joint, it's not just you know knee spine, mm. um, which people tend to, tend to sort yeah. of get, um, is, is the fundamental movement behind everything. So if we teach people to squat well and deadlift well, from there, the lower limb works so much better, so your glutes fire better, you're having less knee tracking problems, you're having less you know, Achilles tendonitis mm. problems, you're having less lower back problems. From there, you're able to sort of set that posture a little bit better in through the thoracic spine, your head sits over your shoulders a bit better. So, so the ability to move and that, and that um, you know, postural awareness, body awareness, mm. um, is super important. So it's the first thing we teach people, deadlift squat. Yeah. Almost no matter what your injury is, and we sort of tweak it based on injuries, but the, the general gist of it is if you can squat well, if you can deadlift well, and then the other one that if you stand on one leg, 
Okay, yeah. Um, which is the stability aspect of things and getting the little stabilising muscles to work well. They're, they're probably the, the three things that we look at oh, more cool. than anything else. Okay, so that's great. And I was going to say about the hip hinge, because yeah. I'm constantly teaching clients how to, how to hip hinge, and yeah. sometimes I've even stopped saying hip hinge now because yeah. some people find that complicated. Yeah. So I just use basic terms like stick your ass out, yeah. keep your stomach tight. Yeah. Just trying to relate again to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. How do you explain a hip hinge? Everyone's brain works different. That's and right. So, and That's so right. you've got to, you just, I just keep rattling it off until I get it. I'll just explain it a thousand different ways. I'll show them a thousand different ways. I'll use, um, you know, like pass out. I'll use the bands to try and cut them in half a little bit around their waist. I'll get them to stand 20 cents right from the wall and say, stick your butt against the wall. Um, I'll stick a stick behind their back and say, mm-hmm. tilt like, you know, drinking bird with a stick. Um, there is no one way to skin a cat. You know, you've got to you've got to sort of roll off every little way you know how to teach someone until they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it can be a bit of a pain in the butt, but it's it's everyone sort of gets it in the end. Mm-hmm. You just got to stay with it. And if you're someone who's like, oh, I can never do that, it's like, well, you're always going to have problems. And so you've got to learn how to do it. You've got to you've got to teach your brain how to move well. And the word I use is um, disassociate a lot. So disassociate is essentially where you can isolate different body parts. And so you need to be able to go, okay, well, I can pelvic tilt. Okay, from pelvic tilt, then can I stick my butt out, keep my back straight? Yeah, I can. Then I'll go down and I'll go into a deadlift. And it's like, there's my hip hinge. And it's like, you know, it's trying to work out how to move segmentally, um, which is really hard. And it's like, you know, for guys out here who who are, you know, training and struggling with those things, you know, use your personal trainers, use your physios, use these sort of people to try and, and teach you how to how to move better because once you move better the risk of injury just goes through the floor it's all about moving well mm-hmm. you can't do anything without moving well um, and also performance you know there's a thing that, that in my world where people forget the role that, that physios can play and especially the um, the role I like to play and my guys down here like to play as physios is is we can improve performance purely by looking at okay where are your weaknesses without even having an injury so it's like shaming a squat, okay, when you've got a little glute meat dysfunction, how do we strengthen that? Here's some stuff to strengthen it. Bob's your uncle, your squat goes up five kicks. It's like you've been bashing away at that for the last two years, just trying to put more weight on it and struggling, struggling, struggling. It's like, well, you didn't look at, well, what's the dysfunction? And yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's easy as an injury level because obviously often these things are blaringly obvious and they're not quite as obvious in a, in a performance level. Yeah. But... Um, but you're still looking at, at, at the, the fundamentals from performance level still increase the, the performance at the end of the day. Mm. Okay, this next question just popped up and um, something's a little bit selfish because I'm trying yeah, to learn a bit, right. a, bit, a bit about this myself, so forget about this. This is us having a consult. Exactly, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> I'm swapping off on the That's it, but um, it's foot mechanics. Yeah. I was going to talk about that because uh, yeah. that's my next level for myself personally. Yeah. And I find myself more and more looking at people's, because like it is a, if, if I were there, I was as far as to say is it probably pays the biggest part in a sense when yeah. it comes to um, learning how to squat and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah. The hips are very important. The whole the whole yeah, body yeah, is a, yeah. is a you know, whole mechanism is important. But foot mechanics and people having issues with their feet because yeah. obviously you know we don't walk around barefooted like we used to when no. we were hunter gatherers anymore. So yeah. our connection to the feet is not as good, right? So no, it's it's a really contentious issue. It's it's it's, it's one of the ones where you know physio, medicine, S and C. There's there's everyone's on both sides of the fence. So. 
when I look at all those things and when I look at, at, at situations like that, it means there is no right or wrong answer. Mm. The right or wrong answer is based on the, the individual who's standing in front of you. Now, if you've got overpronating feet, which means your arch collapses as you're moving too much, and that's it's, that's causing problems or that's that's affecting your performance, then there's two ways of looking at it. You can either work really hard at trying to strengthen those control muscles, but you're strengthening control muscles against a situation where it's you know you, it's quite ingrained, and yeah. so you sort of and you probably never thought about it before. And so we're trying to get get strength in an area that you've never really thought about before. You've got some some structural reason to be there as well. So you've developed that over the years, or you're born with it as congenital, or whatever. And so, how much of that are you going to be able to achieve? Um, is that person better off having a supportive shoe? Is that person better off having athletics? Is there a deficit right to left? So is there one foot worse than the other? If that's the case, it's really hard, and they're going to be causing more biomechanical problems rather than having both feet the same. Um, it comes down to time, I reckon. Yeah. It comes down to how much are you willing to sit there and do boring magic. Yes, that's exactly it. That's why I keep to putting it off to control of oh, your feet me. a little I bit know. more. Foot strength and football feet. Yeah. Versus wear better shoes. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's like that's it. There, there, there's six, you know, there's a thousand ways to do it. But it's also about what level are you? Mm. You know, are you someone who is who is Sporting 180 and wants to get to 200, wants to go in powerlifting competitions, wants to wants to be an elite level athlete. Yeah. You're probably working on those five percenters. Are yeah. you someone who walks in who wants to lose a bit of weight, stay injury free, and be healthier? Why do we need to fight that fight? Mm. You know, it's about it's a very broad. It's question, almost man. picking and choosing mm. what is the thing that is most pertinent in or most relevant to that person not doing well. Mm. And if you can throw a pair of orthotics in them. And all of a sudden, their foot's in a good position. Yeah. You know, there's an argument for that, and there's an argument for the other way. And yeah. so, would you want to say that's more of a, like a, in a sense, like a band-aid approach? So I know it's going to help, like yep. temporarily. But is that, could, would that be a long-term answer for some people? Again, that comes down to the work they would have done. Yeah, in, I guess. exactly right. Like, yeah. But it's also, it's, it's, you know, you go back to caveman days, and the argument with caveman days is a really interesting one because we have never walked around on even surfaces, ever. Mm. And so you haven't developed this arch over a period of ever, mm. right? So it's not like it's something that we've had from birth and we've lost. Mm. You've been walking around on concrete in shoes since you could walk. Mm. So you haven't lost this, this has never been there. Mm. And so as, as part of human evolution, there's, there's two ways of looking at human evolution, we're getting a bit deep here. No, it's good. It is, uh, you know, are we doing things that, that we don't need to do. Has our brain beaten this problem? And so humans haven't evolved, we haven't grown an extra thumb, we haven't you know, lost our appendix, all that kind of shit yeah, that yeah. people think we're going to do. What we've done is we've worked out how to take the appendix out. Mm. We've worked out how Our to, brains have evolved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Our brains have evolved to solve these problems. Mm. Um, you know, the, the food bomb, which I'm not going to get into because it's very confusing. No, I love it. I, love it. I always talk about um, evolution, so it's all the, good, mate. Crack the, the, food, the food one, it's like, oh, you know, we weren't farmers. It's like, yeah, but we became farmers because everyone was fucking dying. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. like, yeah, so... Agricultural revenue exactly, and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, so our brains evolved to, to solve these problems. And so, right. you know, yes, you can fix your feet. Is the, the orthotic a bit of a band-aid solution? Well, it's, when do you need to be in bare feet mm. running trails? Mm. If you want to, that's great, yeah, yeah. and I'm more for that. It's not realistic, is it? But if you're if you're an overweight forty year old female who's busting their ass just to get to the gym, yeah. and do their S and C and their their cardio and all that kind of stuff, 
are we throwing foot mechanics down that person? Yeah. Or are we just getting them to turn up and saying, it's great, you're doing really well, we're squatting, we're deadlifting, yeah. we're doing all these things. We don't have to fight that fight. I see what you mean, yeah. yeah. So adapting to where we're at in time, really, isn't it, essentially? Yeah, and where, what, what time you have and what you want to do. Yeah, so like the person who wants to become more grounded, wants to do their trail runs and their vibrants and their barefoot running and stuff, it's, it's absolutely fine, it's yeah. fantastic. Do it properly, do it slowly, work on your foot mechanics, work on your glute mechanics. If you are a good, perfect, really great athlete, you can definitely do that. Mm. Um, it's just the expectation on the client may or may not be realistic for them to do that. Mm. And so that's always an interesting thing from my point of view and the, the personal trainer point mm. of view. It's like, how realistic is this person going to change their arch? Yeah. And you pick and choose. I said, whatever they're going to be consistent with and actually do is what you provide them with. Consistency is the, the key. It's the key thing. Yeah. Um, I've got a, 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 it's not random, but it's a bit off topic. Yeah. But the next question was, what is the difference between a physio and a sports massage therapist? Because I'm aware of that now, but it's just yeah. wild to kind of crack the code. Yeah. Um, oh, look, the depth of knowledge is, is a bit chalk and cheese, unfortunately, for the sports massage therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, physio, the physio from a, a biomechanical point of view, a movement analysis point of view, um, is, is trained in that. The sports massage therapist isn't trained in movement analytics. Um, the, they can be exceptionally good at releasing tissue, you know, often better than, than I am. Mm. Um, but it's, it's putting the whole picture together. Is Their training isn't down that, that route. So the exercise prescription isn't taught. Mm. And so there's excellent everything, right? And so don't get me wrong, there is excellent massage therapists, there's excellent, excellent, you know, all aspects of, of our industry. But the... The fundamentals are they aren't really taught how to do any of this stuff. Mm. And so physio is a four-year degree where we go into the depth of all that kind of stuff and there's a level of continuing education and a level of evidence behind everything we do um, that has essentially been proven to why we do that. Massage therapy, sports massage therapists, uh, there isn't that side of it. And yes, it can make someone feel better. And yes, I think it's a really important part of staying mobile and fit and, and active and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But the injury analysis isn't quite there. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah, prevention of a cure kind of thing, and yeah, the great side. Fantastic preventers. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they have the skills to cure. Okay, yeah, I see. As as a whole, and that's yeah. a very general comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, we we skimmed over this as well, but like just basically tips for people who you know again, uh, they, they, most people do have sedentary jobs nowadays. Yep. They get pain in yep. their back, you know, pain in their neck. Yeah. Um, you said the cobra, right? So yep. if you just, I don't know, maybe if you could just give us like three of your favorite exercises, and so people could do consistently yep. for a few minutes each day, just to yeah. Cobra is my number one for my life. So back. explain that quickly because so I know what lying, it is. Lying on your tummy, tummy, pushing your hands, putting your hands like you know, to push up. Yeah. You keep your hips generally on the ground and you gently push push up and get an arch in your back. Mm -hmm. um, that's my number one for my lower back. Number two is for my upper back. Mm -hmm. It's um, rolling, so lying over the top of a foam roller or a towel, rolled up towel or something equivalent mm -hmm. to try and extend through your upper back. So if you're lying down, you have your knees bent up, feet on the floor so you're in sort of crook line. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's all right. We're on, uh, we're on film anyway. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. So anyone can look at the film. Yeah. Um, and then having the towel or the uh, horizontally. Horizontally, right? Yeah, okay. Or the, or, the, or the foam roller horizontally, and you're trying to sort of arch back over it. I see what you mean. Nice and slowly. Yeah. So it's more about flexion and extension. Yes. Right. So a lot of the times people will sort of roll up and down trying to release their 
um, to that yeah, muscular yeah. tissue. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, well, that's, that's, and that's great, but it's not really that posture reversal that we're after. Right. So we're after reversing that flexion posture that we yeah, talk yeah. about all the time, the shoulders forward, chin mm-hmm. position, so arching over the top. And the third one is a chin tuck, which is a similar sort of vein. So our, our chin forward position is a problem. It's chin back mm. and so it's sort of less like someone's grabbing you from the, the hair behind your head so like a ponytail and pulling it straight back and doing that repeatedly and so doing them repeatedly gently but but repeatedly and relatively frequently can sort of reverse that sedentary side of things and, and keep you mobile in both directions mm. you know, it's very rare that someone walks in and can't sort of flex their spine well even someone who's tightened their hamstrings can get to sort of three quarter shin um, but someone who is who is tight in their extension will just go bend back a tiny bit. Go, oh, they're stuck, and you can yeah. see their spine doesn't move in that direction. Mm. Your spine's supposed to move in both directions, flexion and mm. extension. Yeah. So if you're finding one is feeling really stiff, then work on that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and in terms of like, I assess people myself. Like on the first consultation, yep. I'll do like three different assessments with them. Yep. And one of them is like a squat assessment. Yep. And. Um, for me, the anterior pelvic tilt is probably the most common thing I see. So, yep. tight hip flexors, you know, weak core muscles, yep. um, you know, hamstrings and whatnot, yep. and also the, the, the rounded shoulders kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, when you get people to do a squat, what are the most common things you see with yep. people like um, issues? Um, the, the probably the first is is that losing their lumbar spine, so losing their pelvic control. And so it's not. I don't love anterior pelvic tilt, posterior pelvic. It's about maintaining neutral spine, mm-hmm. right? So. The butt wink is something yeah. you see a lot okay. <laughs> at the bottom of the squat. Yeah, the butt like wink, for anyone who knows, doesn't know, is sort of where your, your spine and your butt will flex under your spine at the bottom of a squat. Mm. Um, the second one is is losing your glute stabilizer, so your knees coming in. Okay. So when you're in getting to that squat stance, those knees collapsing together mm. is a really good indication that glute medius, so one of your glute stabilizing muscles, isn't doing its job properly. Mm-hmm. And so that collapse in is, a, is another thing that we're really looking at. So they're probably the two. So being able to control neutral pelvis yep. and then being able to activate glute stabilizers to keep yourself square are probably mm-hmm. the two things that we, we look at more than anything else. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Makes sense. Um, and I was going to ask you now just a bit more about business, just a question yeah. about business. And uh, Close your eyes and go for it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. You ready for this? <laughs> hang on. I want to hear, I want to hear no, you do that's, that's my business. That's Close, it. <laughs> Close your eyes and hang exactly. on. Exactly. Close your eyes and just, just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do as well. Just, you know, yeah. just wing it, wing it, isn't it? You know, yeah. just go for it. I like, um, the, I'm, I, was, I was always talking about this, this book that I'm writing that I'm actually writing called The Ostrich Approach. Yeah. Just stick your head in the sand. Don't <laughs> 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 Just bury your head in the yeah. sand, isn't it? Literally. Sorry, mate. Just, <laughs> just go with the flow. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say, obviously, you know, you're crushing it as a physio here in Sydney. Yeah. Doing really well. You've built a business from scratch by the looks of it. Yeah. And, um, just wondering if you had any tips for people who are, you know, trying to build a business and, um, you know, trying to essentially fend off the competition or, you know, make yeah. the competition irrelevant, if you like, you know, because yeah. that's what you want to do, isn't it? Yeah, How have yeah. you managed to do it? Have you got any tips? Um, being self-critical is really important. Knowing what you are is really, really important. So knowing what product you're selling, knowing who the market for that is and being critical in that. So not trying to necessarily market yourself to every single little person because not, not everyone is, is for what you provide. Um, I, I am big, big, big on no bullshit. It's like people see through you. And so you, you need to believe in your product and be, and be producing a good product, whether that's a thing that you're selling physically or, or my time or expertise or whatever. It's like everything that, that I'm telling someone 
is something that I would do myself or tell a family member. Mm. And so if I want someone to come back next week, it's because I need them to come back next week, not because financially it's good for me to come back, that for them to come back next week. I see. Because if it is just that, they will see through your rubbish and they'll go to the next person or not really buy into what you're doing. Mm. So it's, it's being self-critical, not, not being gimmicky, not being, you know, salesy. Um, and being genuine are, the, are the, the things that I've sort of built a business on. Mm. The knowledge is, is one thing, but the knowledge is only one aspect of it. Mm. You've got to give a shit, you've got to like what you do, and you've got to, you know, genuinely um, want to, for me, it's us it wanting to help people, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're doing it from a financial point of view, then I think often you're in the wrong place. Yeah. So nothing that I do is, like obviously everything has a financial role and effect and you have to make sure the business makes money always doesn't exist. But the fundamentals are that if you if you do that second and the, the little things first, like someone comes in for taping, charge it. Someone comes in and sticks their head in for advice. Mm. I'm not I'm not saying oh, that's a consult. It's mm. like I'll give everyone my time. You ask me to do this, it's like yes yeah, sweet. Mm. No dramas. I do a seminar for for um, Titan in a few weeks they're like oh what do you charge for? Nothing. Mm. It's like added value. Yeah, it's yeah. a value add it's, it's me getting in front of people to be able to market myself. But it's not I'm not selling every little aspect of it mm. because then it just it becomes a bit cheaper. Yeah that's right yeah. Um, and people see through that as well don't they? You know the bottom yes. line is just constantly trying to sell someone something you're just gonna piss them off. You've got to give you know, we live in, I keep saying this, but we live in a world now which is full of information. You can get whatever information you want, yeah. you know, from Google, from yeah. the Google man. So, the Google machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, um, so integrity is really important to you. I, I, yeah. I believe in that too. Massively, massively. And that's yeah. why I, I try and instill that to my staff all the time. It's like, and it's, for them, it's like, it was really interesting. The thing that I found most about being a business owner and having staff under me was that I do things without thinking about why I do them. And so, for, I actually to sit down and go, well, hang on a second. How come I do that and they don't naturally, uh, you know, achieving that same goal or doing that naturally? It's like it's hard for them. And so breaking down the fundamentals of how you do what you do is really interesting. How you, how then do you teach that to the next person? Because everyone's different. Okay. And everyone's motivated by different things. Exactly. So having staff is the hardest thing. For me, just to be a physio is easy. I love it. It's easy. I, um, I love the puzzle. I'm generally not too bad with people. It it's flows on really easily. The yeah. thing that's difficult is having 10 employees. Yeah, exactly. Keeping it's all like, them in check to make sure your business is yeah. on point in terms of the quality of that. Yeah, keeping yeah. them on check keep, and keeping them interested. Yeah. Keeping them, ah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because you want staff retention is huge. We talk about consistency. Consistency of, of my staff has a massive effect on my bottom line. Yeah. Um, and so consistency in all aspects of life. So if mm. I can keep them interested and staying and, and you know, engaged, then it's, it's better for me. Um, financially, but it's also a better workplace, and that's what and that's what I try and create a workplace that everyone enjoys. My staff enjoy it. Um, the people that walk in enjoy it. I take the piss a little bit. I'm not full of shit. I'm not overly pretentious about what we're trying to achieve. I'm not a doctor wearing a lab coat. It's like yeah, yeah. I swear too much. <laughs> play stupid music. Or we're converse. Like you know, like I'm not the quintessential yeah. medical practitioner. People like that, don't they? They just want to see a human, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Being yourself, authentic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I was just going to say, yeah, so what should people just sprung to mind then? What should people, because there's a lot of, like, like in any industry now, but like, like in this day and age now, I think it's becoming, you know, with technology and stuff, yeah. people can book on, 
I don't know, for example, Google again, TripAdvisor, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can see, and obviously word of mouth, but there's still, like, for example, personal training uh, yeah. my industry. It's saturated with, yeah. you know, any, anyone can do this Mickey Mouse certificate yeah. and actually become a personal trainer. So there's so many shit PTs out there. I tell every one in every third box of pillows, do you agree? <laughs> <laughs> That's it, mate. Every third box, mate. I say every every box. Bro. Yeah. Um, no, I was just gonna say, like, how how do people, um, you know, what are the common kind of signals people should look out for? For like, you know, people. I had a, for example, I had a, like a chiropractor before, and like, I kept kept going back and forth and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to slay him too much because he's yeah. really good at what he does. But at the end of it, I thought to myself, right, I need to get to the root cause of this issue, which is a muscular imbalancement. So yeah. like, for me, going back and forth and getting cracked every three days, yeah. really wasn't going to be a long term thing. So. For physios, to say someone wants a physio, you want to go and see someone, what should they look out for in terms of people trying to just, you know, rinse them? Yeah, it's, it is It is really, really hard. I think the thing that's happening a lot these days is is the old physio um, two-machine ice pack sort of thing is absolute garbage. Mm. There's a, there is so much research out there that says that doesn't work at all. So if you're finding that someone sort of putting you on a machine or, or, you know, putting a heat pack on and not doing the fundamental exercise side of things. Exercise therapy is the only thing that works from a proof point of view. Now, the release stuff that you do and the the mobility stuff, like the hands-on stuff that physios do, is still really important because it gets you moving better. But at the end of the day, the only thing that works is exercise and changing habits and changing the way you move and doing strengthening strengthening essentially Um, so you need to have someone who is doing that Mm. you know if you're walking in there and it's all very passive it's not working Mm. if they're not talking to you about something happening in your lifestyle that you have to change it's not working and that's not necessarily about the thing that I I suppose I look at is that's not necessarily a thing about them fleecing you it is potentially them not being very good this is the other side of it yeah of Um, course yeah because most people go into physio and be really genuine um, because it's, it's known to not make a hell of a lot of money compared to other things. It's hard to get into. It's like 98 in the HSC, which is like the, the schooling marks. So it's like okay. stupidly difficult to get into. Yeah. Um, so not many people go into it without having a pretty genuine wanting to help people. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's good at it. Yeah, of course. Um, the other one is the one that I do am getting a little really shitty at the moment, which is a business side of physios coming into it, is bulk booking. Right. So if you're walking in there and saying, I've told my hamstring, and they go, okay, you need to pre-book eight sessions because that's, this is going to take six weeks. And so it probably is going to take six weeks. But you might need two sessions booked in because you know you're going to come twice in that first week. But how you heal and how this recovers and how you respond and how much you're doing your rehab and how much pain you're in, all this stuff dictates how often you should be coming. And so it should be a very fluid process. I may have a plan for you that says I want you to come maybe four times in two weeks, but if you're doing really well, that needs to change. Mm. And so the inflexibility about bulk booking appointments for me is just gives me the shits. Because I feel like that is a business side of physio that is essentially trying to make money and doesn't have the person's best interest at heart. Yeah, exactly. And you give people, do you give people homework as well? Like, so for example, oh, always, always, yeah. That's it. That's always. A, you've got to, you've got to be doing point. something. Yeah, you've got to be, yeah. Because you're seeing me for half an hour a week. I'm not yeah. fucking doing anything. Yeah. It's like I'm teaching you how to fix yourself. That's the way That's I look it. at what That's my it. job is. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm, maybe I'm changing a pain state by putting my hands on you, so like yeah. by releasing something or whatever. But essentially, I'm teaching you how to fix yourself. Mm. And so if you're not doing anything outside of your physio session, you may as well just be putting your money... Yeah, that's a good point. You can relate that to anything because I yeah. always uh, I get this message across to people with nutrition. Yeah, it's like you know the old saying, you know, 
give a man a fish, feed him for a day, yeah, teach him how to fish, fish. Fit, yeah, <laughs> feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got to apply yourself, haven't you, and actually yeah. uh, do your homework. Oh, 100%. Time. Otherwise, yeah. you're getting that way. Exactly. Mm. That's pretty much it, isn't it? That's a wrap. Yeah. Thanks a lot for your time, oh, Tim. Um, no worries. Well, I, didn't, I, would, I didn't. Next time, can you give me the memo about the singlet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. I got, the, I got the guns out. It's just yeah, funny to wear it, really, mate. No, actually, mate, you're pretty pumped right now, yeah. Maybe that's something to get into. You want to hear that? Don't worry, mate. Next time, I'll wear a raincoat, okay? Yeah, yeah. Big fluffy jacket. Come on, We've got some magnified heat coming in here. We got a nice little suntan here, folks, as well. It's beautiful. It is. Awesome. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. No dramas. Take care, buddy. You too.